What is up, folks? Welcome back to another Rams Edge. Uh, this is episode 16 of the show, and I'm Jake Ellenbogen, your host as always. Feel free uh, during this show at any point, uh, unless you're listening to it after the fact. Um, if you are here live, uh, feel free to drop any uh, comments, questions, anything you have, or if you want to call in, you can hit the phone button at the bottom, phone icon. But let's uh, let's talk about Allen Robinson. Um, really going into this year, I mean, I've seen it all with him. Uh, I've seen some that seem to be a, as high on him as I am. Um, I've seen some that don't quite think he's that, you know, he, he, he's kind of lost a step. Some that I think kind of forgot that he's only 28 years old and not necessarily 34, like some seem to believe he is. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting this year uh, for, for Allen Robinson. And obviously, you know, you could say this about any player. Injuries permitted, I think he can do anything. Um, you know, I think he's an incredibly gifted uh, wide receiver. And, you know, this is somebody that I think can lead the league in receiving. Like, uh, you know, the title kind of suggests I was going uh, that route. So, um, you know, I, I think when it comes to Allen Robinson, I think he fits this He fits this offense like a glove. Uh, because, you know, we saw last year, or, well, you know, this past year, uh, Matthew Stafford and his desire to really push the ball down the field. Um, you know, what's going on, Ricky? How's it going? Um you know, is a desire to push the ball down the field and he just didn't have the receivers that had the mindset to, okay, I'm going to go up and high point this football. I'm going to go and make a play on the ball and, and pluck it out of the air. Um, you know, and, and I feel like when you look at what, you know, A-Rob does or A-1, whatever you want to call him, I think he's got a good nickname either way. Um, you know, A-Rob will do that. And, you know, I, I use different analogies, uh, you know, when describing big bodied wide receivers, you know, because I, I think when you look at like a, an outside, you know, perimeter uh, wide receiver, you know, you, you think of ways like, OK, if a guy's six foot three and he's about 210, 220 pounds, that guy should be using his frame to box out a corner or a safety or whoever's covering him like a power forward would box out a player going for a rebound or, or, or a center, whatever. And, and that's one of the analogies I like using because, you know, you want to have that ability. A good example of somebody that has kind of the same size uh, as an Allen Robinson um, and is honestly way more athletically gifted is uh, Denzel Mims of the New York Jets. And, I bring him up because I think he's incredibly gifted athletically. And I think he has the talent. But for whatever reason, he can't put it together in the NFL. And this idea that big-bodied receivers like A-Rob are rare is just not true. Because there are guys all over the NFL that are six foot five. They run four threes. And they're just littered all over the league. However, those guys playing at a high level the way A-Rob has. A-Rob having 1,400-plus yards with Blake Bortles as his quarterback. There's just not many guys that do that. Um, 
you know, every now and then you'll get a Darren Waller who, you know, six five, six six, whatever, you know, wide receiver coming up for uh, the Ravens. The Ravens cut him. He turns to a tight end and blows up with the Raiders. But that's not always the case. You know, so there are a lot of very talented players in this league, but they don't always put it together. And that's the thing with A-Rob is now, you know, the Rams had six foot three Josh Reynolds. The difference between those two is Josh Reynolds doesn't know how to use his body as a defense mechanism the way Allen Robinson does. Robinson is going to be utilized in that realm for that reason, because like I said, he's going to box out defenders. He's going to turn a 50-50 ball into an 80-20 ball. I mean, he's going to catch it 80 out of 100 times. You know, you know, if you were throwing it up there 100 times in coverage, Allen Robinson would come down with it 80 times guaranteed, maybe even more. His ability to contort his body while having the wherewithal to keep his feet in bounds make the catch, it's quite honestly very impressive. But I know people are like, Jake, you do realize Allen Robinson barely had over 400 yards last year, right? Like, you do realize, like, Allen Robinson, he finally got help, you know, and last year at the wide receiver spot, he had another guy who could keep the coverage away from him, and he still was terrible last year. Probably the worst year of his career. That's probably what we're getting. No. I got to say, absolutely not. There's a lot of variables that go into it. And I don't know for sure, and I don't want to speculate. But COVID, I do believe, was an issue. Um, I, I don't remember if he had COVID or if he was a close contact or whatever. I, I do believe, you know, he was hurt, though. And I think a lot of that kind of came down to, you know, it, it piled on a Rob, essentially, because you get hurt. Maybe he has COVID, and on top of that, you know, you look at, you know, just playing in Matt Nagy's incredibly simple and just bad offense, and it's enough to be like, yeah, you know, I don't really like this. I kind of want to trade, but I'm in my contract year. Things aren't working out for me. I'll figure it out next year. Now, this was honestly a blessing because of this the Rams were able to get Allen Robinson for half as much as the Dolphins are paying Tyreek Hill. Is Tyreek Hill that much better than Allen Robinson? I wouldn't say he is. What's important to remember, and a lot of talking heads out there want to say that Allen Robinson, you know, he's done, right? Oh, he only had 410 yards last year. He only had one touchdown. He had more, he had more yards on his longest play than he did receptions. Okay, well, 2020 had 102 receptions for over 1,200 yards, and he had six touchdowns. He averaged 12.3 for yards per reception. And keep this in mind, folks. His best receiver, or best quarterback, Blake Bortles, maybe. Maybe it's Andy Dalton. Maybe it's the rookie Justin Fields. Maybe it's Mitch Trubisky. Those aren't great names. I like Trubisky. If he starts for the Steelers, I hope he does well. But that's not Matthew Stafford right there. So I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? You know, when the, the Rams get a rob I instantly am like, 
this guy's going to have a really successful season with the Rams. Since 2014, he's got 40 touchdowns. He averages 12.9 yards per reception. And he has 495 receptions to go for over 6,400 yards. He's a damn good receiver. One of the best in the league. The Rams didn't just get another two. They got an upgrade. As much as I love Robert Woods, and I love Robert Woods. I hung out with Robert Woods at a business meeting, business expo, whatever you want to call it. Like, I love Robert Woods. One of my all-time favorite players to ever wear the Rams uniform or play the sport, period. And I think he, he himself is going to have a very good season in Tennessee. However, Allen Robinson is offering something that simply the offense has not had. And I would argue the offense hasn't had anything like it since that one season in 2014 when randomly Brian Quick started to look like what the Rams wanted Brian Quick to look like. You guys remember that? I do. The good old days with, uh, I mean, you know what I mean when I say good old days. But that was with Austin Davis. And so I'm just thinking, I'm like, you know, obviously there have been guys that have gone up and high point the football before. He's not the only one that's ever going to do that for the Rams. But it's important to realize that this is a a player that, you know, really isn't duplicated on this roster. You could argue Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are cut from the same cloth. So in a sense, they didn't really complement each other because they were very similar to each other. Van Jefferson is arguably very similar to Cup. So that's the interesting thing here is that now you're getting a guy that is so different. He diversifies your wide receiver room. And he's going to be a pain for defenses to account for because they're already trying to account for a guy that just had 2,400 yards, 22 touchdowns, and won the Triple Crown for the first time, first receiver to win the Triple Crown since 2004 when Steve Smith did it. I mean, that's a lot to account for. And then, oh, by the way, and this is how you start to see the puzzle come along for the Rams and how Allen Robinson really is that you know de facto straw that stirs the drink, the X factor, whatever you want to call him, because obviously we know what Cooper Cup does, but now adding Allen Robinson, it's like, okay, well now we have to account for that size. We have to account for that, uh, you know, just that ability to to make big plays down the field. Um, you know, the catch radius, the fact that Stafford is a gunslinger, and this works really well for him. But on top of that, Van Jefferson's no slouch either. The number three receiver, and guy has over 800 yards in his second season. 600 more than the year before. Around that. And so now you start to see the puzzle is coming together. Because you have those three. Then you have the tight ends. Tight end room is loaded. You got Tyler Higby. You got Kendall Bland and Bryson Hopkins. They all had their roles. Tyler Higby was huge in the regular season, was huge down the stretch, got hurt. Kendall Blanton stepped up big time was the big reason they were able to win and go to the Super Bowl. He was huge in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers. And lastly, Bryson Hopkins. 
They don't win the Super Bowl without that guy. So they got three tight ends who they, they feel comfortable with. And they're three different tight ends. They all they all offer something different. Um so you got that. You got your three receivers. Odell is in my opinion, I think he is coming back. Um, that'll be way in the future, I think. Uh, but not necessarily the contract, but I don't think he'll be back until late November. So, but I mean, now we're talking about, you know, Odell, Van, Tutu Atwell. Like I was going through my projections and I'll have those videos out on YouTube, uh, you know, down, you know, just over time, I'm going to put them out um, like last year. But I think Tutu Atwell, I was, I was looking, I'm like, he could have like 500 total yards from scrimmage because I think he's going to be utilized out of the backfield a little bit, but I also think he's going to get more credit uh, in the passing game than people think. Um, the one guy that I would say to temper your expectations on, and I understand this sounds weird because I made a video about how he could be the next Megatron, and I'm not saying he will be, but like, you know, athletically speaking, he's very similar to Megatron, is Jacob Harris. Jacob Harris is way more raw than I think people want to admit. And that's okay. That's very okay. Because the Rams have Allen Robinson. It's like what we were just talking about. Remember what we were just talking about earlier in the show? We mentioned Denzel Mims. We mentioned Darren Waller before he went to the Raiders. You can have the size. You can have the the, the speed, the overall athleticism, the skill set. But you got to put it together. The Rams are going to slow play it, I think, with Jacob Harris. I think year three or four is going to be when they use him. But, you know, the Rams are loaded. They're loaded with weapons. So, got to answer the question that probably is out there for people. Why the hell do you think Allen Robinson is going to lead the league in receiving? Well... I think Cooper Cup is going to be utilized in the short and intermediate game more. I think Allen Robinson is going to be used in the vertical game. And I think so is, of course, like Tutu Atwell, I think will get an opportunity in the vertical game. I think obviously Van, he showed that ability. But Allen Robinson, another thing that isn't talked about enough, is his ability to break tackles and run after the catch. Like, Allen Robinson is going to break multiple tackles when he makes a a catch. Like, that's the thing there. That's the difference. Like, Van Jefferson probably isn't breaking tackles. He might slip out of them. He's not built like Robinson. He's 200 pounds. I'm not saying he's small, but he's not built like Allen Robinson. It's going to be hard to bring that guy down. And it, it already has been hard for teams. So I'm very much excited. And I forget the sports book that has it, but guys, if you are a betting man, okay, or woman, if if there's anybody in here that's a woman, um, you you gotta put some money down on Allen Robinson leading the league in receiving. I'm not saying put a hundred dollars down or anything crazy like that, but even if you put like a dollar down, it's a hundred thousand to one odds right now. I believe I, it might actually be ten thousand to one, but either way, that those are crazy odds. I think it's a hundred thousand, but I could be wrong. Um, it's just not being expected right now. People are not expecting this. You saw hell PFF they rated the top five wide receiver duos in the league, and the Rams didn't even come in the top five. I mean, you could argue Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson are almost top five. 
Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, who's former pro bowler, who's had 6,400 yards, almost 500 receptions, 40 touchdowns since 2014. You don't think putting him with the triple crown winner, you don't think that's a top five duo? That's interesting. I think it's the best duo in football. I know people like Waddle and Tyree Hill, but what exactly are they going to do with Tua uh, Tagovailoa? He's not getting the ball deep down the field to him. So I don't see that. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, there's always an injury there, first off. But second, you know, as great as they are, and they're very, they're, they're fantastic. None of them are better than Cup, and they're arguably better than Allen Robinson at his best. Like, keep in mind, Mike Evans is one of the most consistent wide receivers in the modern era. So I'm not saying that he's, you know, statistically Robinson is better than Mike Evans. But when Allen Robinson is fully healthy, he's amazing. That's something to keep in mind. So, I mean, you could argue he's over them. The Raiders thing, I I don't understand. Um I guess Darren Waller isn't a receiver, so a wide receiver, so I don't know why we're pretending he is just for the sake of that. But you know, people are putting them in that. If if you want to say receiving duo, not wide receiver duo, um, Darren Waller and Devontae Adams is probably better than Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Um. You know, Debo Samuel and George Kittle, when they're they're both fully healthy, you could argue. There there are ones out there, but wide receiver duos. I, I don't think there's a wide receiver duo I'd rather have over them. I saw the other day I saw somebody on Twitter uh saying and, and I'm not like hating on these two players. I think they're great, but um I, I saw on Twitter the other day uh AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. I just, I, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. So, yeah, I, I don't really get it. Um, you know, there there's a lot of people that seem to be sleeping on Allen Robinson. I feel like I've talked about this a lot, but I do think, as the title suggests, I do think Allen Robinson can lead the league in receiving. And I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch. So, what's up with you guys? Jocelyn, how we doing? I saw you entered. Ricky, if any of you guys want to call in, more than welcome to. Um, you know, we're just talking Allen Robinson, the Rams, you know, all of that per usual. Um, I'll throw you an invite to speak if you guys want to, but. Yeah, you know, it's the dead period of the offseason. We're talking about more so what ifs and, and, and the happenings, not necessarily like, you know, I, I mean, there's not really much to talk about with camp and everything. So, Ricky, what's up? What's going on, bud? Uh, not much. We're just, uh, I mean, you know, you've been here since the beginning pretty much. I mean, we're just talking about A Rob, essentially. Yeah. Oh, hot take. Did you just say he was statistically as good as Mike Evans? Uh, 
No. So I was saying that at his best, since he hasn't really had a quarterback, like Mike Evans has played with Jameis Winston, Tom Brady, um, and Allen Robinson before he got to Stafford would have killed for that. I was saying that Allen Robinson healthy, no stats, but just game tape, just watching the two, Allen Robinson is arguably better than Mike Evans. Wow. Wow. Okay. He, he's really darn good. Like, And I don't think a lot of Rams fans are aware of the talent he is. Yeah, Allen Robinson is good. Like, you could see that from the beginning of his career. Like, yeah, he he was good. Like, he was always just stuck with a poor to average quarterback. He's good, and um, I seen the news about OBJ wanting seven million for this year. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I I think I heard about it, but I, I don't know too much about that. I think really what it was is that that was a number that was thrown around that he was, like, you know, rumored to be interested in, like, before the offseason. Um, so, like, before he got hurt. And now, now I don't know. But I, I do think the Rams are going to get him back because, again, they just, like, when Demoff came out and said they wanted him back, I mean, just for him to even mention OBJ when, you know, really, I'm not going to say he's never mentioned a player before, but he he talks more about the business side of the Rams. Um, I, I just, I was a little surprised. I think that really tells me all I need to know about that is that, and, and it kind of aligns with what I've been told uh, from, you know, kind of insiders and sources and things like that. Like OBJ, he found a home in LA and it's been really hard to come by for him because, you know, he was kind of led astray with the giants. They give him 20 million a year and, you know, they, they give him the big contract and then they trade him not long after. And, uh, you know, I think that was mainly buyer's remorse. And then, um, you know, the Browns, you know, the whole, the the Browns thing where he didn't do anything wrong, but you know, it was that whole big deal where, you know, his dad posted something about Baker and, you know, I don't think he did anything, but you know, that and that's that, been kind of the issue. That was a whole mess when his dad got involved when he was leaving Cleveland. That was kind of bad. I, I believe his dad should have like, kept most of that on the inside, or at least waited till after he left Cleveland. Yeah, and it sucks, because I genuinely, and I, I know we'll never know for sure, but I genuinely don't think OBJ knew he was going to do that. Like, I don't even think, like, he wanted him to do that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put that on OBJ. I would just say that was pretty, his dad, his dad's feelings, and that having access to social media led to that. I agree. And I think, you know, it's become like social media in a sense has become a bit of a distraction for, you know, I I think it's allowed parents to get involved. I mean, we've seen it, you know, in in basketball with the ball family, Um, LeVar ball, you know, and, and, 
it's not the first time like Tom Brady's dad, uh, you know, with the retirement thing with Tom Brady, there's just, yeah, I've noticed that like parents are able to kind of get more involved. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. And these are grown, but men, not like little kids. Oh, I know. Like OBJ, I mean, he's pushing 30. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then Tom yeah. Brady's 40 years old, and then here comes his dad. Like, wow. <laughs> Well, that's just weird. I always thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> but, uh, like, what do you think would be a good number for OBJ, like, money-wise? Um, I mean, I always felt like 10 was kind of fair, but it would be heavily incentive-based. So if you did – if you gave him 10 million – um, and that's with the full year because that, that was like before, right? So obviously since he's not going to play the full year now that we know that, um, it's looking at late November, I'd probably say seven's a pretty good number. You give him $3 million signing bonus and then have him earn the 4 million with incentives. All right. So since we're not talking about a normal team that goes about the cap, we, yeah, you know. So I'll ask you, how do how do we make this work? Like, how do we fit him underneath the cap? Take your best shot at that. Um, it is. I mean, it's not going to be as easy as it sounds because I know they make it look easy, and it's really not. Um, it's not as simple as oh, just manipulate the cap. Like, yeah, they do it that well, but you and I couldn't think of that. Like, it, it, they have a really, really good contract guy. Um, you know, and, and, uh, Tony Pastors. But what I will say is there's a contract in Jalen Ramsey that I think if you restructured that, you could really, you could add a bunch of money to the cap. I mean, I think if you, cause keep in mind, Jalen Ramsey is a cornerstone player. Like he's mm-hmm. not going anywhere. So there's really no risk in pushing his money down if he signs off on the restructure. Um, I can check for you right now because I, I'm I'm actually curious myself. I believe it's like a double digit value that the Rams could get back in cap if they restructured Ramsey's deal. Um, you know, and I think we're going to get to a point where Ramsey's probably going to want to get paid more. You know what I mean? So that probably isn't that far around the corner. Um, but let me. Let me check and see if there's anything that, you know, we can do about that. Um, Let's see here. So a restructure of Jalen Ramsey would. Let's see. I guess. Might be about. No, it's not double digits. It looks like it's three. 3.2 3.2 million is what I'm seeing. Mm. But I mean, hey, that pays off OBJ's uh, you know, his upfront. You think Jalen Ramsey would be willing to do that? I mean, well, all the restructure is is just moving money and converting salary um, you know, to bonus. Okay, uh, I, that was a good question. Is asking somebody to take their best shot and playing, you know, playing the numbers games for like the Rams? Because, like I said, most teams would either have the money under the cap 
or they don't and they can't play it. Whereas us, we're like, oh yeah, we're over the cap, like you know, a big number, but we can still fit you in. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those teams that you can't can't count off the Rams to make it work. That's why, you know, I think if they do a trade this year, I know a lot of people have speculated on that. And, I mean, I think if they, if they make a trade for anybody, it's going to be for Robert Quinn, and I think it'll be near the trade deadline. Um, I would expect the Rams to offer more picks than they need to so the Bears eat his deal. So the Rams probably pay about a million for him, if even. Similar to Von Miller. Do you, do you think it's worth bringing Robert Quinn back? Like, can we rejuvenate his career to where it was when we, like, let him go or traded him back then? Oh, well, he had – I think he had 19 and a half sacks last year. So he – he's – uh Looking like one of the best pass rushers in the league right now. Hmm. So that's not really the issue. The issue would be like, here's the thing: Do the Rams really need him? That we won't know, and you know, until we see them play. Because Justin Hollins, I think, is going to be in for a really good year. Leonard Floyd is great. Um, you know, Terrell Lewis, it, it, he's a question mark. I mean, if he stays healthy, he's shown you he can play. And then you have Chris Garrett, and then you have. Um, you know, uh, Daniel Hardy. I mean, it, the so it's one of those things where we, we just kind of have to wait and see because if Justin Hollins has a down year and, and he was playing very well last year before he got hurt, um, if Justin Hollins has a down year, then, you know, there's a pretty good chance that they go out and make a trade. I mean, this team knows. They got five years of Matthew Stafford which means they probably have five years at least of Sean McVay. Hopefully they have more. But they we know they at least have five years of Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay because Sean McVay won't retire before Matthew Stafford. So you got to be able to hit, you know, strike while the iron's hot in those five years. And I, I think that's something that, you know, they're going to plan on doing if they have to. If they realize that, like, hey, look, we need to get to the quarterback. We're not able to get to the quarterback. Uh, you know, then we're, we're going to go out of our way and get a pass rusher to do that. Okay, since you mentioned Sean McVay, I think, um, okay, back when he was talking about retirement, I think you had a show talking about other coaches you would move into a spot. Is one of them like Thomas, Dave, Thomas Davis, um, the, the uh, tight end coach now, I believe he is? Oh, Thomas Brown? Thomas Brown, okay, okay. That is who I would imagine would be the next head coach if they went – promoted from within and, and keep this in mind uh, like Ricky this really is dependent on him not getting a head coaching job which I think he will like I don't I don't think he'll be there that long hey, yeah I mean when you said it back then I was like okay that makes sense like go ahead and move him on into the spot because like I don't see him making it on our squad for the next definitely not five years the way way we've been going about it with our coordinators and the rest of our coaches, they they get promoted and to other gigs year after year. So I don't I don't know if he'll make it past this season. Yeah, it's one of those things. I, I think um, I think if McVeigh were to retire, he would help the Rams find his replacement. 
But I, I really don't see Sean McVay retiring no time soon. No, I don't either. Because I, I think what what ended up happening was he was given a massive contract offer by Amazon. Um, and they're going to, you know, TVs are still, like, TV deals, like, they're still just going to try and pluck him. But I, I still think, like, the Rams are just going to pay him whatever he wants at that point. Like, he'll be around. Like, I, I understand he mentioned, like, starting a family and he just got married and all that. Yes, that's true, but... You know, other coaches did the same thing, and, you know, I, I just don't see him retiring until, you know, at least, like, 50. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I, I hope we, like, make him, like, the next Mike Tomlin, like, like and Bill Belichick, like, stay in here as long as you want to. We'll just keep paying you. We keep winning. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I I think it, it what is really interesting is how long is Les Snead going to be there? You know, Les Snead's older, a lot older. Um, you know, I wonder how long he's there. Is he there past McVay? Like, GMs can be GMs for a while, you know? So it's not, you know, as taxing of a position, you know, like moving around and, you know, being a coach all the time like the one, you know, McVay has. So, I mean... Like, Les Snead could be around for, for quite a bit, but, you know, right now, he's 51. So, you know, like, that's not super old, but, you know, for GM as opposed to, like, head coach or whatever, like, you know, yeah, like, he could stay around for a while, but, like, GMs don't normally GM until they're, like, 80. So, I mean, they wouldn't have, like, 30 years of Snead. They would probably have maybe another 10 to 15, I'd say, with Snead. I don't see him being a GM in his 70s. I, I just don't see it. I hope Les Snead and, and wants to stay there as long as Sean McVay is. Like, I hope they keep us, keep them together for as long as possible. Like, push them into the grave long. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I, they, they're a great tandem. And, like, they do see things eye to eye. Yeah, no, they have a great uh, level of chemistry that I think is just really important. And so, uh, how 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 dare you talk about the soccer's going to take over NFL in the future? Oh no, no, they're not. I was making fun of it. <laughs> okay, because I like I seen it, and then I was like, that's one of his videos. I should watch it, but he's talking about soccer, and I'm gonna. Skip this one. Go to yeah, no, one. no, no. That uh, that was me making fun. The FIFA president said since you know the World Cup is coming to the World Cup will actually uh, one of the games will be at SoFi. Um, so the FIFA president is now you know going on his press tour and talking about it and all of that because it's coming to the United States in 2026, and he said by 2026. Uh, soccer will be the number one sport uh, in this part of the country, or this part of the world. And I was like, nope. <laughs> no, you're not going to overdo football. Like, you're not going to do that. Now, some forms of racing, yeah, they're going to overdo that. Basketball, I don't think they'll ever do that. And NFL, it's just, they're not going to come close. Yeah, I just... I don't see um, 
I don't see soccer growing as much as people are saying. Um, you know, and, and I think that's that's the thing. Like, it's like you know, you have those people that are like, "Oh, yeah, it's going to overtake the NFL," and I'm like, "No, it, it's it's not." The World Cup in the United States uh, generated about seventeen. I think it was 17 million views, like on average per game. That's on average a little bit under what a regular season, like a regular season game, just a ordinary regular season game in the NFL generates per game. The Super Bowl generates 99 million. So the Super Bowl of soccer in this country generates 17 million, which is an average NFL game. The actual Super Bowl for the NFL uh, generates ninety nine million on average. Wow! Oof. Like ninety nine million people watch the Rams Bengals Super Bowl yes. in the United States. That's crazy, right there. Mm. It just shows you, though, Ricky. Like these narratives are just wrong. Like, I mean, it, like. Soccer has grown over the years, but like lacrosse is growing, and no one's talking about it. They just gotta, they just gotta deal with the uh, with ESPN in March. So we're gonna start to see lacrosse all of a sudden, you know, make a, a play. And I mean, you know, like women's college basketball is has grown significantly. Uh, the WNBA is up twenty percent. Uh, you know, hockey's up twenty percent this year. You know, it's like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of look at it as like this whole soccer is going to overtake the NFL is ridiculous. But I honestly think soccer overtaking anything is ridiculous because the MLS is not watched. Doesn't even get 300,000 per game. You know? I don't know. It's like... It, it's just... Again, like people are going to continue to say it, and you know, it, it is what it is. But I mean, it, it's kind of just laughable at this point, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Uh, oof! I'm glad I skipped that one then, because yeah, can't can't see it overtaking my football. Oh no! I broke it all down, made fun of it. You might actually like the video because it was just like me making fun of it, essentially. All right, I'll go back and check it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually uh NASCAR's up 17% this year. NASCAR? Yeah, it's at 4.76 million viewers hmm. on average. Hmm. I, I know that's a little off topic, but do you watch NASCAR? You in that kind of racing? Um I watched it a lot more when my favorite driver uh, Jimmy Johnson was uh was driving. Jimmy Johnson. Uh, my brother does pit crew for some NASCAR teams. He's like independent contractor, so they call him and oh, nice. Ask him to work. So yeah, so I guess I'll let you get on with the rest of your show, man. I'm gonna try to find something to eat. And yeah, no, I I hear you, man. You enjoy your night, and uh, thanks for tuning in. I'll be doing another one tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll get more people. Oh, <laughs> uh, is tomorrow another Rams or is it MCU? Uh, tomorrow's Rams and then Monday's MCU. Why no DC? DCU love. I'm not a DC fan. I mean, oh, I, it's all right. I, I just don't really like the direction the uh, the cinematic universe is going in, which is literally they don't have a direction right now. So they they can't keep nobody in position. 
<laughs> everyone's getting you know canceled and <laughs> uh, yeah that's about it man but um i started coaching uh i don't know if y'all know if uh, optimist league i don't know if y'all have that up or not but mm, it's like peewee up to middle school sixth grade or whatnot football oh nice so i started coaching that and it's fun dude jeez but it is taxing being a coach now we got to give credit to coaches standing on the side of the field, looking out there, trying to see what's going on, because being on the sidelines, looking out, you can see the wide receiver, DBs, outside linebackers. And then, like, the once you get past the tackles, you can't see nothing on the other side of the field. Yeah, that's it's a good point. A you know, it's, uh, it's not, you know, it's funny. It's really not the best um, – Makes more sense to be in the booth, in a sense. You're right, but yeah, go ahead and get on with the rest of your show, man. I'm gonna go get something to eat. Sounds good. And uh, we'll check back in tomorrow. See how you doing. Sounds good, man. You take care, Ricky. All right, we'll see you, bud. All right, that's gonna do it. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. I'm gonna sign off. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll be talking uh, some more Rams for episode 17. Later, guys. <laughs>